start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost, now that it's the high school quarterback, your next door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're going to have to figure this out together. And we see today in our politics, rich white men telling working class white people that their problem is brown people. We need to understand the historical pedigree of that. That is symbolic of the entire history of race and class politics in America. The history of rich white people telling working class and poor white people that their problem are black and brown people. So beginning in the 1600s, that is what happens. Prior to about 1670 or so, there was no such thing as the white race, at least not recognized as such, called as such. That is not what people of European descent were when they were in Europe. They were English, they were Irish, they were Scottish, they were whatever they were. They were not white. Only in the colonies do we become white, and for a very specific reason, because in those early years of the colonial period, where you had white indentured servants, one level above enslaved themselves, and you had African-descended folks, some of them enslaved for life, others indentured servants also in the earliest years of the colonies, those people would often see their interests as being common. They all realized that they were being screwed over by the same landowners, the same elite, they fomented various rebellions, like Bacon's Rebellion in Virginia, others as well. And as a result, the elite in the colonies realized that they had to figure out a way to get the other folks from Europe on their team. So they created this mentality that said, you're now a member of the white race, you're on our team, you're, you're wearing our uniform. Now you're at the end of the bench, you may not get in the game, but you're on our team, you see. So then they start putting white folks now called on the slave patrols, right? Didn't really give them any land or any real power except the power to control people of color, which is why folks of color say, and they are right, that modern policing traces to the system of slave patrols and slavery. And we have to be clear on that because that's the history. Right? So whiteness was created to divide and conquer, to create the notion that even though you might not have much, at least you're not black, at least you're not indigenous, at least you're not Mexican, at least you're not Chinese working on the railroads to build the transcontinental economy. You may not have much, but at least you have, as W.E.B. Du Bois said, the psychological wage of whiteness. And it's a trick that was played during the Civil War era on my people in the South, right? Rich folk, landowners in the South telling poor white folks who didn't own anything that they got to go out and fight to preserve the rich man's property in human beings. Fascinating. Why would you do that? Why would I go fight for your property? Well, because you told me that if I don't, these slaves are going to take my job. No fool, they got your job. That's the point. If you got to charge a dollar a day and you can make them work for free because you own them, guess who got the gig, Jack? Not you. So in fact, the system of enslavement was in the long run against the class interest of working class white folks, but they got suckered. Same thing happened in the union movement. You had white labor union folks who didn't want black and brown bodies in their union because it would reduce the professionalism of the craft. No fool, it'll double the size of your union. And then when you go out on strike, then when you go out on strike, they can't replace your happy ass with the brown folk that you didn't want next to you in the first place. Because when they do replace you with them, then you will blame them, not the elites. Yeah, that works.
It's trick. And it has worked for hundreds of years. It is working on some folk right now. And it is our job to resist that with every fiber of our being. Hello, Baltimore. My name is Tyrone Bost, owner of BPPW Heating and Cooling. And welcome to our show called Tyrone's Show. And I'm here with uh, one of my millennial co-hosts. The other one is in uh, Oklahoma. He's learning uh, a- applications for software that uh, he's going to use to teach other uh, young men like himself uh, um, history and whatnot and other, other things on that software. And uh, he's, he's gainfully employed doing that right now, and he, he can't join us, but I'm sure he'll join us later, uh, at a later date. Okay, but but uh, we do miss him. We do miss his presence, but he's doing, he's doing bigger and better things right now. Okay, and, and also with me, uh, my my other millennial co-host, uh, Zachary Leacock, a social media entrepreneur who majored in audio production, radio, TV, and film at Howard University, the Black Heart. He is a socially conscious vegan and a producer of the Channel 10 podcast, which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. Good afternoon, Baltimore. It's good to be back. Okay, uh, what you just heard was uh, Tim Wise. He, he, he does... Um, um, commentaries at different colleges and debates, uh, um, um, white, uh, racist and things like that on, uh, you know, racist ideology and things like that. So he makes his white guy. He's, he's, he's a pretty honest white guy about and he's, he's very thorough with American history. He don't pull no punches when he talks about it a lot of times. And what he was talking about was things that we talk about in the show, you know, we, a, a lot. When we talk about how things like mass incarceration are really systems of social control. And that's what slavery was. And uh, what he was saying, uh, slavery was a system of social control so that rich people get richer. And white people, racism was used as a tool, actually, to keep the, the poor whites in line and keep them interested in keeping us enslaved as well and fighting for slavery on the side of the Confederacy. They were actually tricked. <laughs> so, but the, the, the bad thing is about it is they, they believed all that hype, and so that, that presented a problem for us, the fact that they, they fell for it. And what he was talking about when he, when he first started speaking about trying to convince Poor whites that their problem are brown uh, people and black people that that's their problem is the same thing that Donald Trump is doing. Same trick he's he's doing his campaign by by you know stating build the wall. I just recently saw a clip of Donald Trump and uh, people were chanting build the wall, build the wall. Okay, so in that case, you know brown people are the problem. Okay, he's convinced those people that brown people are the problem. You see how things you know the more things change, the more they remain the same. Donald Trump is a rich white man. Convincing poor whites and some blacks, <laughs> some of these blacks that <laughs> that um their problem is brown people and 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 you know the implications probably black people too, you know it's it's a rare case you will see a racist that hates brown people and and I don't know if Donald Trump's racist or not, but he um according to uh, what's what's the guy that's the speaker of the house uh oh god um, it'll come to me um Paul Ryan Paul Ryan said that that's the textbook example of racism. You know, the, the, to say somebody can't, you know, one of the things that Donald Trump said is that somebody can do their job because they're a certain race. So there's people that doubt that he's racist, but according to his homeboy, uh, who's a Republican and the Speaker of the House, the current Speaker of the House, that that is he he is he epitomizes the textbook classic example of racism. OK, whether you want to accept that or not. Um, also, what we want what we want to talk about today is um, uh, Juneteenth. Okay, we're talking about Juneteenth, and we're going to also talk about uh, uh, the thing that's going on with the uh, Maryland Mosby suit and some other things that, you know, I know you've heard that these officers are trying to sue uh, Maryland Mosby, and that's that's pretty uh, that's pretty serious, people. That, that, is very, that is very serious. 
And, um, you know, in regards to being uh, charges being brought up, on, uh, you know, on them for the brutalization of Freddie Gray. OK, um, so let's before we get started, uh, I, I know a lot of people have never heard Juneteenth. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, what's Juneteenth? But um, here's the thing. Juneteenth is, is uh, falls on June 19th. All right. And what it is, is a celebration. There, there were slaves that were after the Emancipation and Proclamation um, supposedly freed the slaves. They didn't, these slaves in, in, in 1863, or it was written in 1862, but it supposedly freed the slaves on January 1st, 1863, if the, the states in rebellion didn't come back into the Union. So Lincoln left a stipulation in the Emancipation Proclamation. I know a lot of people never even read it, the damn thing. And just remember, these documents are the only difference between you being a slave and you being free. And that's not important enough for you to read. And a lot of people haven't read these things. So let's see if, um, uh, what Juneteenth is. Exactly. Or June 19th, 1865, is the date that the United States government communicated freedom to the remaining human beings that were enslaved. More than two However, during the war, the state of Texas experienced an influx of slave owners who knew that the state was not overrun by Union troops. These slave masters, along with very little Union victories in Texas, prevented news from getting to blacks. Therefore, the enslaved human beings there did not know about the Emancipation Proclamation, which outlawed slavery in rebellious Texas. After the surrender of General Robert Lee on April of 1865, General Gordon Granger, along with over 2,000 troops, headed to Texas to communicate the news of victory and freedom to the enslaved blacks there. Granger arrived on June 18, 1865. The next day, standing on the balcony of Galveston's Ashton Villa, he read General Order No. 3, formally enforcing the Emancipation Proclamation. General Order No. 3 reads as follows. The people are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves and a connection heretofore existing between them become that between employer and hired labor. The freed are advised to remain at their present homes and work for wages. They are informed that they will not be allowed to collect at military posts and that they will not be supported in idleness either there or elsewhere. With this general order enforcement, over 250,000 remaining blacks in Texas were freed. Juneteenth, the celebration of emancipation, was born. Okay. Now, it's not that simple, people. In order for you to understand Juneteenth, you'd have to, and by the way, this is going to be a celebration in Lexington Park in St. Mary's County on Saturday. And you can Google that if you want. It's about a, it's about an um, hour and a half from here, you know, drive, but it's supposed to be pretty nice, St. Mary's County. They celebrate Juneteenth. But they're... They mainly sell. They started celebrating it in Texas because they were the last enslaved human beings in, in, in the con, in, well, in the country, rather. And um, it started in Texas, and now they said that there's over 100 cities that are supposedly celebrating this thing in the United States. And they try to make it popular. They try to get the, you know, last I heard, they would try to get the president to or issue a proclamation of Juneteenth. Juneteenth. Um, but in order to understand that, you need to understand um, the Emancipation Proclamation. And most people that will tell you about the Emancipation Proclamation are dead wrong about it. They don't know what the hell they're talking about, and you'll see why in a minute. And most people, again, most of us hadn't even read it because um, we got more important things to do. We got to worry about what Beyonce is doing and, you know, whatever, Jay-Z. Um, but let's see what Barney Fife has to say about the Emancipation Proclamation. And then we'll I guess so. Go ahead. 
I guess it's up to you, Barn. Listen to this, though. Might learn something. Go ahead, Barn. Well, the Emancipation Proclamation. Really like that. Spot right there on my uniform. <laughs> Guess I ought to be sending this out to the cleaners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now you was uh, you was asking about the uh, special proclamation. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm all ears. Yeah, you always was. <laughs> well, the Emancipation Proclamation. <clears throat> Uh, was a proclamation is what it was. Mm, what was it about? It was about emancipation. What do you think it was about? <laughs> what was it about? Use your head, man. It's common knowledge. There was these folks. And how else was they going to get themselves emancipated unless there was a proclamation? So they got themselves a proclamation and they called it the Emancipation Proclamation. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I'm surprised at you for not knowing that, Andy. And I'll tell you something else. I'm even more surprised that you think and I don't know about the Emancipation Proclamation. We're still waiting for you to tell us about it. Well, if you get so smart, Alecky, about it, maybe I'm not even going to tell you. <laughs> okay. That's about as much as most black people know about the Emancipation Proclamation. So don't laugh, all right? And it's, it's kind of embarrassing when I hear black people comment on the Emancipation Proclamation and don't know what they're talking about. I cringe. First of all, the Emancipation Proclamation did not, did not free the slaves. It's doubtful it freed any of them, all right, if you read it. What it did was, if, and I have read it, by the way, what it did, it says that slaves and states in rebellion against the United States are henceforth and forever free. All right? It doesn't say everybody free. Abraham Lincoln does not, as a president of the United States, did not have the power to free the slaves because they were considered property. And and and, and this is why this was a rich man's thing, putting, putting poor whites against blacks and, and it's a form of social control. is because you, you had a man, you could pay somebody $300 a year to work for you in those days, right? Or you can buy a person for three hundred dollars and have them for life. That was value. You tell these people to free their slaves, they gonna go to war because you're free of their property. All those slaves, you got a hundred slaves, you got what three hundred? I mean, a hundred times three hundred dollars. You can't, and that's a lot of money back in the eighteen, you know, the eighteen the, hundreds. Um, that's a lot of money. They're not gonna go for that. That's why they were willing to fight for slavery. I'm sorry, Zach. And also, um. You know, it could be argued that uh, Abraham Lincoln didn't even really have the authorization to uh, make such a proclamation because um, at that time it was a civil war. So the Confederate States of America was well, another, yeah, it was another country. So basically he's freeing the slaves in the southern states, which weren't a part of the United States at that time. So it didn't apply to states in the north um, or the border states. Well, the border states, which is Maryland. Right. At, see, and this is the other thing people don't know. Slavery was still legal in Maryland after the Emancipation Proclamation was issued right. because it didn't cover the border states. Maryland was a border state. And Lincoln didn't want to incite the other states to, um, to, to anger, you know, by thinking that they're going to lose their slaves, their property. And so and you, you also had the, the, the uprising in Haiti and these, all these other things, all these slave rebellions that happened that scared white folks. And they were, they were actually scared to arm the slaves in the Civil War because of that reason. And actually arming the slaves... By the way, 179,000 179, slaves fought in the Civil War. I think I said 179 on the last show. Nobody corrected me. But I hope people know that's what I meant. 179,000 people, black people, fought in the Civil War. Okay? And that's what they credit would actually help them to win the war. Right. Because, <laughs> um, you know, a lot of—because when he made the proclamation, it, it, it um, you know, I guess— 
you know, inspired a lot of the uh, enslaved people in the southern states to, you know, get up and leave. And they went yep. uh, to the north, uh, right to the Union line, right. um, where a lot of them, you know, participated in the Union's effort um, against the South. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> the slaves just sit around, wait for white people to come down and get them. They, they, just, they just got up and left as they heard about right. it. They got a lot of them got up and left and they fought on the side of the north. And because I, the, the thing, another part of that Emancipation Proclamation, if you read it, it encourages free black men to participate in the war, able-bodied free right. black men to participate in the war. And um, it could be looked at as an uh, act of war, um, basically. And so after the war, there was no guarantee that it would even be in effect Lights. because in the Constitution, you know, it, um, at the time, it said that, that black people were three-fifths of a human being. Right. We'll, we'll talk about how, what really freed the slaves. And right. it, it was constitutional. It had to be done by Congress. By Constitution. Lincoln was using, that was an executive order. Lincoln was using his power as the executive at a time of war, time of war. And to, to free the slaves. To, he was trying to punish the South because their whole economy was based on slavery. You had two different competing economies. The North, you you had, in the North, you had the industrial base, and in the South, you had the uh, the agricultural, which was dependent, heavily dependent on slavery. You know, so, and then it was a balance, it was a balance of power. You had new states coming into the Union because of Westward expansion. They were taking lands from the Indians or whatever, <laughs> and they, had, they were spanning out West. And they wanted, they had a Missouri compromise to say, okay, if you take a slave state, it's, the next state going to have to be a free state to keep the balance of power. Because the South was getting more power in Congress and um, both in Congress and uh, uh, um, and in the military because they had the best generals. That's why the, the war didn't, they thought the war would be over in a year. The way the, the, the way the Union actually beat the South was not because of their generalship. It was because they had more of everything, more men, more material, especially after they got slaves involved. That, that it was it was it was a lost cause, it was, and the the other thing, other reason for the Emancipation Proclamation was that uh, foreign nations like France were looking at getting involved in the in the Civil War on the side of the South. A lot right. of people don't know that, and you would have had a world war here, and they and the, and the Union would have definitely lost if France had gotten involved. And I believe but when Britain it, also had. And Britain was to thinking about too, yeah, because but, they uh, were getting cotton. Right, and at that time, France had freed all their slaves, and they didn't want to get involved in war that. You know, they're fighting for slavery. They should be fighting for slavery. So they, they backed off. But there's a real danger of France and European powers like Britain getting involved in that war. A lot of people don't understand that. So it wasn't that cut and dry as you heard in those history books. Right. And there's stuff you'll never hear in a history book. Uh, let's take Gene real quick, and then we'll continue. Okay, good afternoon, Gene. How's it going? Hey, guys. I've got a question for you. The uh, Emancipation Proclamation, was there not an article in there that, uh, that in allowed the uh, North... Well, in other words, like slaves could not walk around with guns, number one. And if you killed a white man, that was like you, that was it. So you were dead. But, well, but, the, but in the in the, uh, in, the, in, the in the Emancipation Proclamation, Gene, um, they did what they what they want. What, it actually encourages able-bodied black. No, not encourages it. it, it to listen legal. to me. Listen to to join the union and fight. You know, man is the vessels. Yeah, the fifty fourth Massachusetts. Right. But it says it, and it's written into the Emancipation Proclamation. Right. It, it, go ahead, Zach. You got the, you got the clause. Let's let Zach I'm, read it. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm just talking off my memory. I'll pull but it up now. There's but. actually a clause in the. But yeah. I know off the top of my head. Allow, Listen to me. Allow blacks to be in the military. That's right. How we got the military. Right. That's this is how. This is how you know, there's actually a clause that actually encourages us to man vessels and fight in the military on the side of the North. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. That's, so that's how the, uh, the the 54th Massachusetts was was established. Right. That and was that extra was, after some um, right. a lot of uh, brokering by Frederick Douglass. Yeah, Frederick Douglass and, and people like that. Fre yeah. Frederick Douglass. He had two sons in the in the 54th. Massachusetts. 
Massachusetts. Right, his, right. And uh, that's that war glory, uh, you know. His oldest son was the, uh, the movie glory. major, and his, and his youngest son got killed. Right, but right. My, okay, the one, well, one, Lincoln kept his son out of the war. Yeah, you one of the points I wanted to make was Mexico actually, um, before, you know, Texas, um, they, they broke away from Mexico. They, they uh, uh, slavery was abolished by Mexico, I think it was 1830, 1840. Right. And, and then, like you mentioned, that, uh, the Haitian Revolution. And, not, and then, right after the Haitian Revolution, uh, it, what was it called? The uh, um, oh man, the, uh, the the thing where they sold all the land in the, in down in uh, in Louisiana, the, the Louisiana Purchase. Yeah, you know all all and, you know. All that that you, okay, stop right there. Stop right there. The Louisiana Purchase. The reason why they did that. Yeah, because listen to me. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm gonna elaborate on why it happened. This is something you're not gonna learn in history and uh, history. Uh, um, unless you got a real good history instructor, I have one. I'm with you. Okay. I have one too. Go ahead. Yeah. So. Well, the reason why the Louisiana Purchase happened in the first place, all that land west of the Mississippi, yes. the reason why that happened in the first place is because when they had the when they had the um, rebellion in Haiti, mm-hmm. the French had lost so much money, you know, and and you know they they were defeated. They were defeated by Toussaint Louverture. Yeah, right. Well, and they had lost so much money that they actually had to raise money for their to keep their armies afloat in Europe because they had wars going on in Europe too. Yeah, because that was Napoleon. British. Yeah, it was Napoleon. Yeah, it was so, in Egypt. So in order to do that. They sold Louisiana for like seven million dollars. Right. Okay, and that was to finance their other war, their other war efforts. Right. They were That's fighting. I mean, actually, they. Um, I mean, yeah, this gets so deep and so. Yeah, it gets, so it gets really deep. But and, the, and but, what, uh, the, the problem about? is, Gene, uh-huh. is even though as deep as it gets, this stuff is kept out of history classes. Yeah. Oh, You're yeah. not taught that blacks had that much yeah. influence but, but, over the formation of I, this nation. That I just want to say another thing that that you you know you touched on was cotton. How important cotton was as a uh, you know the number one export in America. And 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 the other thing too is like uh, slaves were literally wealth. In other words, like a, a woman would that was part of her dowry. She got a, a black male and a black. That's what I just female. elaborated on. A slave. Uh, I think they co- ran around three hundred dollars, which was a lot of money no, in those days. No, 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 no. How much were they? Close to a thousand. Some of them, yeah, depending and on. Hold, the, and on. another thing, they were they were so valuable that they right. wouldn't allow okay. actually slaves to do anything. I mean, well, you know, they, they worked them to death. I'm sorry, Gene. The figure you got, the figure I got, we were at different places, but I, I would agree. I, in some cases, my no, memory. No, I'm just saying that if, right, you know, yeah. if, if if like let's say you you rented your slave out to me, and, right. and your slave got hurt, he was insured, so right. he would get exactly. your money back. That's what I just alluded to. If you could buy a man, you could pay a man a thousand dollars. Let's say you pay. Let's for a second argument say a thousand dollars. You pay a man a thousand dollars a year, or you're right. gonna you're gonna buy a man for life exactly. for a thousand dollars. So if you have two, those babies are yours too. If you had the look, if you had two healthy slaves, a male and a, and a, and a female, that was equal to the, the the value of land in the north. Right. That's you know what I mean. So that's what I'm saying. When you and you got two slaves. It's like you were rich. Right. This is what I'm saying. This is an economic thing. That's why they were willing to go to war to protect slavery. Oh, no. It wasn't so much about... You guys are on... Listen, you guys uh, are on it, man. You hit, right. You're hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, everybody is concentrating on hatred and racial hatred. No. They use that as a tool to keep money, the, the, the poor whites in check. Yeah. And, he, and, even and they needed their compliance for it to happen. Yeah, and even after, you know, like after the Civil War is, uh, uh, you know, the 40 acre in a, in a mule thing. You know, now land became valuable simply because the slaves were free. So now you had you we were like you said competing with poor whites. Absolutely, you know that's I mean? the other thing, yeah, and that's, that's why they formed labor unions to keep blacks oh, from yeah, keep working blacks in trades. Oh yeah, no, I remember okay. when I was in when when I was overseas um, as a white associate. He was telling me that he was in Liberia, mm. and he says, "You know what? When I was in Liberia, they they built their slaves. 
I mean, the, the, the black people that, because you know Liberia was a colony that mm-hmm. they sent blacks to, about yeah. 10,000 blacks to Liberia. Yeah. You know, because that was a, a yeah, plan yeah. to send us back to Africa back then yeah, yeah. Uh, under John Adams. Yeah. And um, they, um, uh, was it James Monroe? But they had, because we got Monroeville as one of the towns in, in uh, Liberia. He said that, you know what, they build their houses just like the slave master. Yeah. And I turned around and said to him, guess what, they build those houses in Annabelle South. Yeah. The slaves built those houses. That's why they was just doing what they knew when they went to Liberia. Yeah. They already had those skills. Mm-hmm. Those people weren't stupid, you know. They built a White House. Slaves mm-hmm. built a White House. Yeah, like you said, people would get was so good they would get hired out. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just like a, I, mean, it, 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 I try, you know, try to relate to people. It, it's just, it's just like if he had a, a a car dealership. That's what slavery was about. In other words, like even blacks had slaves. And that was the way to achieve. Money. Yeah, but blacks didn't invent that in this no, country. No, 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 no. I'm, so that's that. the, I'm saying here, but if you, yeah. if you, if you we didn't have the power. We didn't have white slaves though. No, no, no. If you, if you won, if you got to, if you pay for your freedom, right? And and the economic system was is that you get two slaves and you lease them out, and then they made you money. I mean, if there were even black people who did that, who who participated, and there were even black people who were free that were impressed into slavery. Well, I should tell you, twelve years of slave. Yeah. Um, okay, we're gonna move on. Yeah, man. <laughs> always, I enjoy the program, man. You guys are putting the knowledge out there, and that's the only important thing. Man. Right. Yeah. And thank you for your help as yeah, well. God, God bless you. Man. Yeah. Thank God you bless so you. Much. Okay, now let's talk about um, let's talk about uh, 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 why the Emancipation Proclamation um, didn't free the slaves. Important question, which is, what did the Emancipation Proclamation do? And I think you know, I can even hear you saying it right now. The, Ema- the Emancipation Proclamation, that freed all the slaves. The uh, Emancipation Proclamation did not free all the slaves. So, let's see if we can't get all that historical inaccuracies out of your head. They weren't free. Um, I've always kind of thought in my head, really, nobody was freed by the emancipation as a, meter, uh, as a means of practicality. If you were in the South, what are you going to do? Hey, master, I'm free. I'll be leaving. I don't think so. And if you were in the North, you were free already. Um, and if you were in the border states, you wasn't freeze. So at the time that the Republican Party under Lincoln issued the emancipation, what was occurring in international affairs was that Europe, and specifically France, was on the verge of recognizing the South and coming to its aid. And that would have been bad. Because really, the North wasn't really doing that well until, say, Gettysburg in 1863. So really, the Emancipation Proclamation was meant to turn the issue of the war, to turn the issue of war from one being fought about some kind of political ideology about states' rights and federalism to the idea that we were fighting to free the slaves. But what slaves were freed? But what slaves were freed in the Emancipation? Not all of them, I dare say. Not all of them. No. I'm going to go tell you right now which ones were. You better know about border states. Border states are kind of a phenomenon of the of the Civil War in being that they are slave states, and I'm um, see if I can nail them. I know Maryland, ooh, uh, Kentucky, ooh, maybe Missouri, ooh, and the newly formed state of West Virginia. These are slave states. These are states where slavery is legal, but they are held inside the Union by Lincoln, really by him denying habeas corpus and kind of locking anybody who might have been a rebel up. Um, so... I think one of the ideas is, is to understand is that slaves in border state slaves, they were not freed by the emancipation. It's specifically said in, in states that were rebelling against the Union. As we said, 
slavery did not free everybody. It probably didn't free anybody because if you were in rebellion, if you were in rebellion, think about it. You gonna listen to Abraham Lincoln? No, you're not gonna free your slaves. Slavery had, you know, the the, uh, the Juneteenth is proof that the Emancipation Proclamation did not free the slaves. It's proof positive because they actually had to take, think about it, they had to take troops into Texas to tell these people they were free. The general didn't go there by itself. It took 2,000 troops. So in order for you to be free in these rebellious states, you had to be, they had to be conquered first. And, and they, had to be, it had to be, they had to be conquered by the army. Then you were free, not before. Right. And by the way, you're born free anyway, but you know, <laughs> slavery is a condition put on you by mankind. So you actually you're born free. But we're just saying it for the sake of argument. The, you know, get away from uh, complications. Let's take Charles. Okay. Good afternoon, Charles. Yes, how you doing? doing all right, right, Charles, what's going on? All right, now, I got to get back to the beginning of slavery because we never really deal with the beginning. And the beginning of slavery had nothing to do with black people. We're talking about the transatlantic slave trade. No, nobody talks about how the transatlantic slave trade started with white people. You know? They don't talk about how the white people were brought to Africa, and that was the staging place before they were brought to America. And that went on for 10 or 15 years in the beginning. You talking about indentured servitude, Charles? No. Because white everybody, everybody keeps trying to say <sighs> that indentured servitude is the same thing as slavery. No, it's not. I know it's not. What? What? No. Let me tell you. What, what a dis- this is what the indentured servitude was. You came here, in order, in a lot of cases, in order to pay your way, your debt to get over here, you uh, did seven years of uh, of labor for the master. And what you did was you signed. You both signed the contract, and it was torn along the indenture. Okay. And then once you did your seven years, you got your piece back of that contract back from the master, and you put it together along the indenture. Okay, now therefore you need to worry about surgery. Go ahead. Right, but take and throw that away. No, I'm, I'm telling you what it was. It's not no take and throw away. That's what it was. But go ahead. I'm, Tell me what I'm, you think. I'm saying take and throw that away. Don't even think the word indention servitude. Okay, but go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. Come just, on now. Just <laughs> get, get, in, point. get in your mind white slaves. Okay? White slaves were kidnapped in Europe, they were brought to Africa and staged. They were brought to places like Niger, Africa, and they were staged. Then they were brought to America. What was your point? What's your point, Charles? What is well, your point by saying all this? the beginning of the transatlantic slave trade. There were no blacks in the transatlantic slave trade when it began. When Christopher Columbus came over here, there were no blacks on the Mayflower. Right, but there were blacks in Jamestown. Though. Look, I'm not getting to all these specifics about white slavery because... You know what? When the reason why they had black slavery is because your, your child could be a slave, not just you. You were a slave for life, okay? And this is you. You were given what a certain time. I'm saying that there's a timeline to slavery. That right, but I'm not going to get into all. I'm talking about black slavery. I'm talking about stuff that relates to us. Right, I'm not talking right, about that, that stuff. That, that, only, that only came about after white slavery. Okay, well, great. When, I mean, when, all I'm saying when, is that when, when black became Charles, slave. let's stay on the subject. Let's talk about black. Let's talk about black slavery. Right, right. I am talking about black slavery. Oh, well, let's let's get to the point, man. When blacks became slaves, they were considered more valuable than gold and diamonds. Of they course. Were not, they were not allowed that. to be beat. They were not allowed to, oh. to, to be dispersed in any way because they were more well, valuable. Well, that really changed by the 1600s. Well, well, you got you got to look at the time. Well, I'm not, you got to look and see. Uh, okay. Where, 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 how it okay, Charles. Thank, Charles. Thank, thank, thank you so much thank. for your comment. Oh, God. Look. 
I'm not getting to look. Slavery was was brutal. All right, I'm not gonna go all the way back. I'm talking about the brutal part of slavery. I'm talking about the part shadow slavery. I'm talking about the, I am talking about the translate a slave trade. And from what I know, if you were white and you were an indentured servant, you weren't there for life. You weren't you weren't to be a servant for life. You were there for a certain amount of years, and then you were freed, and your children couldn't be enslaved. The thing that made slavery so so beautiful for black people was, number one, they could tell you were black by your skin color. So if you escaped, they could capture you easily. And your your children were slaves, too. And, Not just you. And, and you were slave for life. And you know what, what Charles was just saying about how they didn't want to beat the slaves uh, during the slave trade? Well, they had to get them from Africa to America. And you know, a wild their, man running like, Kunta Kinte. Yeah, that was their, <laughs> prop, that was their property. So they didn't want to <laughs> damage their there, property. Yeah. You know, before they, you know, got to America right. to be able to work, they wanted the property to be as, as healthy as possible. That's how they got paid. They wanted right. them to be intact. And then once you got to, as a wild, you know, as a, not a wild man, but yeah, we were more sophisticated than that. Somebody as a, as a warrior, fight for freedom. Yeah, as a oh, warrior, yeah, warrior. You, yeah, you got to be broken. Just like a horse. Just like a wild horse. You got to be broken now. You got you to gotta be um, more to, uh, to heal somebody's will, as Hillary Clinton would put it. <laughs> right. All right. Go ahead, uh, Lady Maggie. Let's go. Good afternoon, Lady Maggie. Okay, let's try to stay on point, y'all. Peace and blessings to you all. <laughs> all right. I'm going to pick up where Charles left off. Oh, my God. Come on. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about black chattel slavery. I don't want to talk about the Romans or the Greeks. I'm not going back that far. I said I I'm going to pick up where he left off. Oh, okay. I didn't say I was going to repeat anything. <laughs> oh, okay. okay? <laughs> Thank you. All right. Okay. First of all, human bondage is a violation of human rights, we, natural rights, and you said that. Right, we that know that. free is natural. Everybody doesn't <laughs> know that. You'd be surprised how many listeners out there right now is learning that for the first time. Free is natural by true self-evident in nature itself. Now, you got plantation slavery. That was what the original... Um, uh, I guess you could say uh, freedom was from plantation slavery. Then the second um, uh, emancipation was from contract slavery because when uh, the compromise was made that, okay, you all can't handle uh, your people in bondage being liberated, made independence right away because you will collapse. All right, we're going to make a compromise. So you can have them enter into contract where they'll be sharecroppers and they'll get a piece of land and, and then you'll ease them into Okay, it gets worse than that, actually. It gets, huh? worse than that. Well, it gets worse than that. I know what you're talking about, sharecropping, but it's actually a part of our history that's even worse than sharecropping. Wait a minute, wait a minute, but let me it. just right. share this for a overview, okay? Right. So if you get me into a contract where I get a piece of land and I do my crop. Right, sharecropping. Mm -hmm. Yes, sharecropping. That's what it's supposed to be, sharecropping, like shareholding, right? right? Right, Okay, so I get a certain amount so that I can ease to independence. But, oh, no, you're the greedy. You're the deceiver who just wanted to hold bondage in place with this contract. So that's what the Civil War was really all about, because I couldn't figure out if the people are lib not really liberated without funds, but if the people are, are supposed to be free, 1776, and I'm scratching my head, that doesn't make sense. Why would you end up having uh, a Civil War? And then I got it. With that little boy, remember he got emancipated from his parents? Uh, what was his name? Remember the little, little um, guy who got emancipated from his parents, so contract-wise he was on his own? 
You remember him? Um, uh, what was his name? Uh, he was a TV star, uh, Willis. Do you no, remember you told, that? You Gary Coleman. Look, okay. We, <laughs> with, so with, I'm saying, when you don't want to give me my land, you don't want to uh, give me my uh, share. Oh. You have totally uh, um, bridged. The okay, lady, man, we got a lot to cover. Make your point. All right, peace to you. I'm just saying, let's break it down. Break so it we down. Can, we can digest that. and be nurtured by truth. We right. will be. <laughs> we want to listen. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you for calling, Lady Back. Appreciate it. Okay. Let's talk about, um, you know, I know we were all taught, I'm bringing a lot of people's heart, that Abraham Lee was a great emancipator. Let's hear some truth from Honest Abe. Let's hear what Honest Abe had to say about black people. On the first day of January, in the year of our Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States, shall be then, thenceforward, and forever free. Ah. That's what he wrote in the Emancipation Proclamation. Let's see what Honest Abe also thought and wrote about blacks. I will say that I am not, nor ever have been, in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. That I am not, nor never have been, in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes, nor of qualifying them to hold office, nor to intermarry with white people. And I will say in addition to this that there is a physical difference between the white and black races which I believe will forever forbid the two races living together on terms of social and political equality and inasmuch they cannot so live. While they do remain together, there must be the position of superior and inferior. And I, as much as any other man, am in favor of having the superior position assigned to the white race. Contrary to what most people think, Abraham Lincoln's deepest desire was to deport all black people and create an all-white nation. The colony of Liberia has been in existence for a long time. In a certain sense, it is a success. The old president of Liberia, Roberts, has just been with me. less than 12,000 have been sent thither from this country. Many of the original settlers have died, yet, like people elsewhere, their offspring outnumbered those deceased. Oh, Republican system was, our Republican system was meant for a homogeneous people. As long as blacks continue to live with the whites, they constitute a threat to the national life. Family life may also collapse and the increase of mixed breed bastards may someday challenge the supremacy of the white man. Okay. <laughs> now that sounds like some sort of from a neo-Nazi, right? Right. <laughs> that was Abraham Lincoln, okay? And and here's the thing. If you go, this stuff isn't, isn't even hidden, okay? All you got to do is go out to the Lincoln Memorial. It's written on the freaking walls, okay? And and my daughter was shot when we went to, <laughs> down to D.C. to see this stuff and these documents. And I and, I, and I said I couldn't have told you this. You you actually you know would have to see it because people won't believe you. If you tell people that stuff, you actually that's why I play these clips because the stuff is so incredible to the average person's mind. We've been brainwashed so much that you actually actually need the hypnotist 
to free you of your program. And that's what I'm doing. When I when I play Lincoln and, and some of these white folks that are honest and straight up, what I'm doing is I'm using the hypnotist to deprogram you. Because we've been programmed so long to believe so many things that this stuff sounds so far-fetched that it's, it's, it's nearly unbelievable. And uh, the people like Donald Trump to say stuff out loud, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You got people like Lincoln that keep it to themselves. You know, going out of history is the greatest thing for black people that ever lived, you know? And, um, you know, and, and again, it wasn't... It wasn't the uh, Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves. It was the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. Uh, Zach? Um, right. In the 13th um, Amendment to the Constitution, Section 1 says, uh, Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude except as punishment for crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. And then Section 2, Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate okay. legislation. Now, all that jargon, out of all <laughs> that jargon, people forget the part that says there's a loophole. Slavery is still legal in the United States. The loophole is, read the loophole. The loophole is, except as punishment for crime where the party shall Don't even worry about the duly convicted. <laughs> they can make that part happen. Right. Okay. So you can actually be made, according to the Constitution, people that don't read the, the emancipation problem, don't bother to read stuff that freed you. Documents that actually freed you. You don't even know which one it is. According to the Constitution, you can be enslaved as punishment for a crime. Read it. The 13th Amendment. It's out there. This stuff is hidden in plain sight. All right? So it don't take a rocket scientist to figure this thing out. And let's talk about why uh, the 13th Amendment didn't end slavery. Slavery, most black crime was punished by slaveholders, leaving the courts to discipline whites. Now, only about 10% of those arrested were white. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that white people are not committing crimes in the South? We know that's not true. Southern states had a history of placing prisoners with industries that would bear the cost of guarding and housing in exchange for their labor. Now states also began to charge fees, renting prisoners to companies by the month. The highest rates were for the strongest workers and longest sentences. It took time for the state to realize that prisoners, believe it or not, could be a source of profit. Once that revenue starts coming in, they're pleasantly surprised. This is new revenue we never had before. The state of Alabama earned $14,000 in its first year of convict leasing, 1874. By 1890, revenue was $164,000, roughly $4.1 million today. All these years of how we suffered, we have looked death in the face, worked hungry, thirsty, half-clothed, and sore. We would leave the cells around 3 o'clock a.m. and return at 8 o'clock p.m., going the distance of three miles to rain or snow. at this time is to say that they're primitive is you can't even imagine it this is a place where for weeks or months at a time men might never see daylight 
the mine was often filled with standing water around their ankles and their feet. They had to drink from that water. Disease ran rampant through these mines. They were incredibly dangerous places to work, being subjected to violent explosions, poisonous gases that were released as coal fell from the walls. In addition to the fallen coal itself, whippings, keeping people chained up, um, brutal kinds of physical torture. A lot of the things that kept people in control under slavery are amplified under this convict system. Okay. All right. So, as I said before, it gets worse than sharecropping. A lot of people were, were enslaved through um, something called um, the black different black codes. You could be um, arrested. You know, chain gangs were invented after slavery, okay? And, and peonage and things like that and convict leasing agreements with states and things like that were, were invented after slavery to keep people working on these farms. Not just sharecropping. A lot of it was just black people basically being shanghaied uh, for um, different crimes. Okay, you could be, some of the things that you could be arrested for and made to be due to slave labor is uh, a colored person leaving their wife. They say colored person, okay? A colored person leaving their wife. A colored person leaving their husband. A person of color practicing their trade uh, as an artisan, a mechanic, or shopkeeper, or any other trade or business for his own benefit. You can do it for a white person, but not for your own benefit, Okay. A person of color. These are these are crimes that you could be put on a chain gang for. Okay, this is real. I'm not making this stuff up. Uh, uh, and I know it's hard to believe. That's why I, I play these clips because it's hard for me to sit up here and say this stuff and people believe me. A person of color doing business on equal terms with a white man. A person of color working for a white person and deemed by the employer to not have enough skill or experience to uh, for the position. You can be put in jail for that. Um, a colored person unemployed. And, and, and I think the statute uh, <coughs> read, vigorousy and idleness are public crimes and must be punished. Okay, and then other states, other southern states, that was in South Carolina, but in other southern states, you had things that you could be punished for, like spitting, drinking in public, uh, uh, being drunk in public, uh, loitering, um, uh, uh, all kinds of other weird stuff that you would never think somebody would even go to jail for, let alone being made a slave for. So, so I mean, as incredible as this stuff sounds, this stuff existed, and it affected hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of black men. And, um, you know, reckless things like reckless eyeballing, looking at a white woman too long, and, you know, you could be put in jail in a chain gang for certain, 10 years. We're going to chain gang. They don't want to let you go. You're free labor. And this lasted up to, for the mo most of it, it reminds me of mass incarceration today right. with the uh, prison industrial complex. But this is why I'm so much against it, and, and, and uh, this mass incarceration. And the thing about it is... Um, you know, you could be enslaved for the most minor. Let's just take a call. Okay. Call. I'm sorry. Uh, Wood, we're we're going to go to Woodrow. Yeah. Uh, how's it going, Woodrow? Hey, how how, how y'all doing? All right, no, sir. No. How's it going? I'd like to say, uh, is Christine there? Who? Christine the Flowers. I don't know. She might be in another, oh. one of the other studios, but I'm not oh, sure. Oh, I think sometimes oh. she works on another show. Why? Oh, okay. Well, I just wanted to share... Um, um, every Tuesday at 6 o'clock to 7 p.m., power hour meetings at 2526 North Charles Street, 6 o'clock to 7. Right. And the stakeholders dinner, City Hall, July the 28th, 6 to 9. Okay. And I'd like to say, Christine's a very successful business lady. Always about helping out the people. Yes. Yes. And that's everybody indeed. have a good, you good too. enjoy the rest of their day, day. God bless. I'm a very successful business person, too, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> but that's all right. I mean, y'all get it. You can advertise it.
I mean, it's for a good cause. Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, Zach, you got any commentary on that as far as the uh, penal uh, all right. So when we look at uh, Juneteenth um, and just history in general, um, it's told as a simple story. So all of a sudden, the last slaves came down. The you know white man came yeah. down and you we're know free. told us that we we're free, and, and then you know we lived happily ever after. But that's not the the story. Um, like you um, explained, there was sharecropping, there was the peonage, there was um, you know the the uh, contract, the uh, the uh, convict contracts. Um, also, right. that convict lease lasted up to the forties. Right, and um, yeah, and, and lease them out to these farms and stuff. And also, you know, um, a lot of um, slaves who, who, ahead, who uh, you know, left the plantation, they didn't have much. Um, and actually, they were in a refugee type of status. Now, we look at it now, um, refugees get all kinds of aid and benefits <laughs> and things like that. But that wasn't the case for a lot of the enslaved people who were suddenly free. Um, the only people who were willing to help them were the former a um, abolitionists and um, as well as some blacks who were able to get um to, to, to get you know some means um and i just um you know i was looking up a uh, harriet harriet jacobs um who actually wrote incidents in the life of a slave girl um and she escaped to her freedom is a great story you guys should definitely look it up um and she actually did a lot to uh, uh, to help and if you look up her story you'll see a lot about the uh you know what happened after um you know juneteenth and all the slaves were supposedly uh freed and, you know, even now, when you look at the um, the parallels between the black uh, codes and the war on drugs, it's it's stark. And the 13th Amendment here has the loophole that puts us right back. Um, you know, right. You got to say these documents, people. If you don't read nothing else, read the freaking 13th Amendment. Right. That's the only difference between you being a slave and you being free is that, that document. And some of these people never even read it. Right. Incredible. And another thing, yeah. um, I'm, I'm just to add, um, you know, a lot of times people separate black history from American history. So when you look at um, not just the 13th Amendment, but the 14th Amendment, all persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction uh, thereof are citizens of the United States. That was a direct result of, um, you know, you know, uh, slaves didn't know their citizenship status until that amendment was passed. So now you look at um, at the whole thing with the immigrant crisis and, you know, there's a lot uh, being said about the 14th Amendment and that came directly from our history. Right. Exactly. That was made to protect slaves that were newly free. Right. And we couldn't enforce it after Reconstruction. So right. it was just a, a it was just a powerless law with no teeth. But it actually gave us equal rights under the law. That was back in the 1800s. Right. And after Reconstruction ended, we stopped having um, the Klan stopped us from voting. So we stopped. We lost all our congressmen and everything else. Uh, OK. So speaking of mass incarceration. We're going to talk about, spend a few minutes talking about the Freddie Gray uh, incident again. Uh, and it's really not, it's more deeper than just Freddie Gray. That's why it's the importance of it. What's going to happen um, that, um, let's talk about the officers that are going to sue Marilyn Mosby. Drove press, the white press, inflames the white public against. Baltimore City Police Sergeant Alicia White and Officer William Porter are suing City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby for defamation and invasion of privacy. The material for the civil action comes from the May 1st press conference Mosby held in front of the War Memorial Building. She read the charging documents against the officers and pledged to seek justice for Freddie Gray. Lawsuit alleges Mosby made statements for purposes of quelling the riots rather than prosecuting police officers. The lawsuit says they exposed plaintiffs to public scorn, hatred, and contempt, thereby discouraging others in the community from having a favorable opinion or associating with the plaintiffs. The civil action also named Sheriff Major Samuel Cogan. Mosby conducted an investigation into Gray's death independent of police with the help of Major Cogan. He signed the charging documents in the case. White and Porter are seeking more than $75,000 in damages for each of four counts detailed in their 26-page lawsuit. The suit says... 
as a result and proximate result of the false and defamatory statement, plaintiffs were placed on administrative leave with no pay and have suffered and continue to suffer monetary damages in the form of lost income, lost wages and salary, and lost promotions. These civil court papers also offer new details into Sergeant White's encounter with Gray. Sergeant White saw Gray at the North Avenue stop, sitting in between the police wagon seat and the floor with his head down leaning over. She attempted to speak to him, no response. He only made noises. She saw him breathing and didn't notice Gray was in any kind of distress. She concluded his unresponsiveness due to Gray's continuing to be uncooperative and noncompliant. Court documents say White first learned of Gray's medical distress at Western District and only after she overheard another officer ask whether Gray was breathing. Sergeant White and Officer Porter are seeking a jury trial. No one named or associated with the lawsuit was available for comment. Okay. Okay, enough said on that. Look, um, basically what, what this is this is very dangerous, people. What that is is a veiled threat to the state's attorney saying that, look, we'll do what we want to these people. You're not going to be bringing a lawsuit against us. We gonna, I mean, not, you're not going to uh, charge us with brutality or we're going to, um, you know, we're going to sue you. Okay? It's a veiled threat. So they're, they're trying to scare her into not, in the future, bringing charges against uh, them. And, um, and by the way, the, the, the deaths of, of people like Freddie Gray and Tyrone West, that's just the tip of the iceberg. If you remember the, the article in The Sun, that was full of people, black people, black eyes and broken arms. There's like 200 people that had been brutalized by the police. And the thing about the police is when they when they brutalize you, you get in charge with um, assaulting a police officer because they got to justify bringing you in like that. That's the other thing. It always happens that way. You get charged. They beat you up first. Then you get charged. The guy that was beat on Greenmount Avenue, uh, he's beaten uh, in plain view. Didn't, didn't hit the police one time. He was charged with assault on a police officer. Nobody's going to believe you. Okay, if that happens to you, nobody's going to believe you. They can believe the police officer, okay? Because they would believe the police officer never lie. That's why these officers won bench trials, by the way. Because the um, the average elitist black person or, or uh, white person would believe that the police would never lie on you or harass you in any way. Because when you call them, they're there to help you. Because that's what they are to them, okay? And it may not be the same for you. And the thing that bothers me about this is we have a lot of innocent kids walking around here that aren't committing any crimes. There's an article in the, um, in the Sun paper, uh, it's, it's dated uh, June the 12th, and it, it, it says how they had 150 adult, um, young adults, black, all black, all living in projects, and they had hobbies or whatever or um, interests like music or whatever, and they actually kept them out of trouble, 94% of them on track. So it's not everybody out here committing murders, and they're not solving the murders by har harassing people and, and beating them up for low-level drug possession. Okay? They're not solving the murders. The murder rate is, the murder rate is high. But the salt, the um, murder clearance rate is very low. They they clear very few of these uh, murders, and uh, a lot of these arrests have nothing to do with the murders. That's what people got to get in their heads. They they use that to to justify what they're doing. But um, here's another article. It's called "Getting Away with Murder in the Sun," and what it says is that that they're talking about the murders, uh, the shootings, and everything. It says many of the people involved in such crimes are well known to the police, who are frustrated by their inability to bring them to justice. And then it goes on to say. Experts say that most grown crimes are committed by relatively a relatively small number of people. We're not all of a sudden out oh, no, here no, killing each other. All the young people ain't killing each other, okay? A uh, relatively small number of people, repeat violent offenders, whom police commissioner Kevin Davis called trigger pullers. These suspects are skillful at evading the law and terrorizing neighborhoods. They um, there's the one guy that was charged this month. He's a 24 year old. He's charged this month in connection with a shooting of five people at Memorial Day cookout. Had a long record of arrests, accused of multiple attempted murders and gun violations. He was never convicted of any of these crimes. 
And, um, you know, this is the people we need to catch. And then you have the, um, you know, they say there are hundreds of men like him on the streets of Baltimore because prosecutors and police were never able to build solid cases against them because witnesses refused to testify against them in court. And then they talk about another um, uh, enforcer for a drug cartel, a drug organization is what they call it. And he's accused of killing. He was finally charged with killing two people and attempting to kill a dozen more. Okay? It's not all our children. It's the, We keep trying to tell you guys that it's the war on drugs. It's all connected. We think this stuff is different things, but it's all connected together. Okay? The drug trade, you got to have you got to have guns to sell dope. Okay? And if you got a gun, guess what? You don't have a whole lot of smarts. You're going to end up hurting somebody. All right? And it's all interrelated. We keep thinking of separate things. And even the mass incarceration results from war on drugs affects marriages. Okay? Uh, a third of... Uh, they say that a third of the um, people that don't get married result somebody being in jail, you know, or more. Was it a third? Was the figure? Um, yes, it was. Um, I think one third of of the um, of the uh, 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 decrease in the marriage uh, uh, rate um, has is directly you know, direct, right, right, direct mm-hmm. um, effect of the war on drugs and mass incarceration. Right, and then when you look at the effect of not having that uh, that. That strong figure. base, mm-hmm. you know, around, and then you see, you know, the results of that. So it's a cycle that continues to repeat. But we refuse to, to see there's any linkage. When I remember one guy, uh, police officer coming on TV saying, I don't know why anybody would break into a home and rob an uh, 80-year-old lady. I know why. They're addicted to dope. If you got, if you got a heroin habit, habit and there's no, um, um, there's no um, treatment on demand, you got you to get heroin every day or you're going to hurt. You might die. Right. So you're going to have to get your drugs. If you got two hundred dollars a day, her and have it. You got to commit two hundred dollars a day with crime. So I, that sounds like a crime of desperation. When he said they stole a cell phone, and all that stuff, and and this isn't the first time people have been mugged. People have been mugged back in the seventies. Older people, okay? They just try to convince you they have an agenda. They try to convince you that there's a crime wave, and it's this you know that it can be solved by breaking people's necks on the sidewalk that aren't committing any murders, okay? We need to look at the problem and address it at the root, or we will never solve the problem. All right. And a, a lot of these things I, I, we, we, we say again and again, they're related to U.S. drug policy, uh, having a bunch of people around with criminal records that can't that put out a job market and et cetera. And you got a lot of idle young people. They can't find work because they have these arrest records. A lot of them starting under Martin O'Malley, you know, et cetera. OK, so let's start thinking about this stuff. And um, that's the takeaways from this, that this mass incarceration does affect us and it does affect you. When your your young loved one, your nephew, or your or your or your a young cousin is, is stopped by the police and treated like they're um, selling dope, and only five percent of us are doing that, okay. And I, and I had a, a young lady tell me that she was surprised that her son had got stopped by the police because he never talked about it. And I said that well, they they're not going to tell you. What are they going to tell you for? You can't help anything. Okay, so this concludes another episode of the Call Tyrone Show, and I hope you can uh, join us next week. Uh, Monday at 2 p.m. for another informative edition of the Call Tyrone Show. And thank you for your time.